Hi, hey, hello. Welcome to the Rockcast. My name is Mongo Gops, journalist and Arena Football League fan. Joining me today is Winfield Hawthorne again. How's got, it going? It's going well. How are you, Adam? I'm doing pretty good. Um, this week, we will be talking about Bernard Sanders, the great man from Vermont. Um, but before that, I'd like to talk about a lovely piece of journalism I read in The Baffler this week. Goes into a little bit of advertising and the psychological techniques they employed. Um, the link will be in the description. And it's all about Spotify and how they kind of monetize emotions. And it's incredibly fucked up. So that I'm going to read a little bit. In appealing to advertisers, Spotify also celebrates its position as a background experience. And in particular, how this benefits advertisers and brands. Jorge Espinel who is head of the global business development at Spotify for five years, once said in an interview, we love to be a background experience. You're competing for consumer attention. Everyone is fighting for the foreground. We have the ability to fight for the background, and really, no one is there. You're doing your email, you're doing your social network, etc. In other words, it is an advertiser's best interest that Spotify stays a background experience. When a platform like Spotify sells advertisers on its mood-boosting background experience, and then bakes these aims into what recommends listeners a twisted form of behavior manipulation is at play. It's connected to what Shoshana Zuboff in The Age of Surveillance Capitalism, The Fight for a Human Future at the New Frontier of Power, calls behavioral futures market, where many companies are eager to lay their bets on the future behavior. Indeed, Spotify seeks not just to monitor and minor mood, but also manipulate future behavior. And essentially, she goes on to say how by recommending essentially certain mood playlists, like playlists for loss, playlists to chill out to, they're trying to uh, like modify your behavior, quote unquote, in order to sell you different products and things like that. Wow. Yeah. That so, runs deep. Yeah. Well, uh, thoughts on it? Um, you know, it, honestly, not super surprising. Um it's interesting to hear them say it so publicly because it sounds so outwardly malicious. Yeah, not not um, super surprising given how, you know, that kind of advertising and monetization of everything today works. Yeah, it's definitely a bizarre, fucked up experience. Not at least surprising, but weird to hear it out in the open and out in public. All right. And with that, um, you should go and read the full article if you're listening to this. It's wonderful. The woman who wrote it is phenomenal. She's the editor for Baffler. Wonderful piece of journalism. Bernie Sanders. He's from Vermont. He was born in 1941. In high school, he won a few interborough basketball championships and was captain of his high school track team. <laughs> that is shocking. Right? Yeah. Um, he probably fucked and smoked weed, too. He seems like a really active, like outgoing, popular kid in uh, high school. Athlete star, very shocking to hear. That is shocking. I wonder how much competition there was to be a, <laughs> a star athlete at his school. <laughs> you know, I also wonder that. It's all relative, I suppose. Right, a Jewish kid in 71. Uh -huh. In college, he was an organizer for the Congress of Racial Equality and the Student Nonviolent Coordinator Committee. After graduating college, he worked as a carpenter, a filmmaker, and a psychiatric aide. Um, he was elected as an independent to um, Vermont in 1981 as the mayor of Burlington, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, he was reelected three more times. And 1990, U.S. House of Representatives for Vermont's largest con congressional district, uh, Senate in 06, uh, and reelected in 2012 and 2018. 
So that's a little bit of his background. What are your just like general thoughts on Bernie before we get into policies and things like that? I I like Bernie. You know, I respect the veracity with which he holds his ideals and uh, the longevity with which he's held them. And I think that's something you can't say for a lot of candidates um, that are running in, in 2020 or at any at any point. You know, he's really been pretty good at believing in something for a long time and sticking to it and uh lucky for him it happened to become quite popular although it's really in no small part because of his efforts that it has become so popular yeah i i agree with that especially like when you're able to consistently adhere to those policies of like nonviolence and racial equality and labor and things like that over the course of the clinton administration who was you know so intent on eviscerating banking by repealing glass steagall act maintaining that throughout the Iraq war when everybody was gung-ho going to war against Afghanistan and Iraq again. So, yeah, uh, incredibly consistent in maintaining his policies and ideas, although a little bit of um wavering here and there, obviously, you know, it's going to happen over what gun a... Pol- gun, gun policy stuff a little gun bit. Gun policy yeah. stuff, he's wavered a little bit. We, even wars and stuff like that, too, it's changed a little bit. So... That being said, let's move into political controversies. So his first kind of big little misstep is in like the late 90s, early 80s, when he was still a representative to Vermont. And Vermont at the time was trying to export a lot of its nuclear waste from their facilities. To do so, they were going to send it to a large, a poor, largely Hispanic community in Sierra Blanca, Texas. The nearest grocery store for that town, just for reference, it's a food desert as well as just an actual desert. Of course. 30 miles out of the city. Wow. Yeah. So it was could have brought some much needed economic infrastructure to the town, but it's unlikely that those were intentions um, since a myriad of delegates and constituents came up from Texas to Vermont to be like, hey, Bernie, don't send the waste there. Right. Um, I forget how that actually, well, the waste ended up not being sent there. But Bernie was gung-ho about it. So, mm. thoughts? Well, I, you know, nuclear waste, whether it ends up being an issue if you have it, you know, in your community or not, uh, no one wants that on the surface. No one's like, yes, send your nuclear waste here. And so the fact that he wanted to send it, of course, I mean, it's a constituent issue, you know. You don't, I'm, I'm sure it was quite popular with his constituents not to keep it in Vermont or have it stay in Vermont. And it is disappointing. I mean, it's it's one of those unavoidable political things. But um, yeah, he is imperfect. Yeah. And the thing with nuclear waste is it's always a gamble, right? Because technically the way they store it, um, they, they don't deactivate or anything. They just kind of put it in a lead container. Contain it, yeah. Encase it in cement and then bury it in a fucking like old coal mine or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's technically safe, although the long-term effects of it are kind of iffy, whether or not that's good in the long run. Also, you run a chance of, like, leakage. Say there's an earthquake, some kind of natural disaster. Yeah. Just general erosion over time from water and things like that. You you risk leaking nuclear waste into the environment, which is incredibly toxic. Obviously, Mm -hmm. Chernobyl's popular right now, so we we know the dangers (laughs) of nuclear technology, kind of. But, yeah. And then on the war front in the 90s, he voted for the U.S. backing NATO bombing of Kosovo, which during the Serbian genocide, uh, one of his staffers resigned in protest because of it. 
Wow. Um, yeah, we covered this in the last episode. If you want to know more about the controversies behind it, I'll link a YouTube clip to him talking about it, um, which is just some kind of general humanitarian crisis um, against the war in Afghanistan in 2002. Obviously, he posted the Vietnam War in college. Uh, our next big controversy actually happened kind of recently with the SESTA-FOSTA acts. Uh, familiar with those at all? No. Yeah, so these were acts intended... Uh, in loose air quotes to stop human trafficking okay. uh, and related to sex um, but basically it just made it easier to imprison posting for people for posting like amateur sex content online uh-huh. camming things like that it ended up largely failing this is one of the reasons why tumblr's porn content was shut down uh, was mm. directly because of this bill Bernie voted yes for it, which is really sad and really fucked up because obviously even before the bill was passed, a lot of people were protesting against it and didn't want it because they knew it would hurt them and their livelihoods and how they made money. Hmm. Um, So this is, for me, at least from a left perspective, kind of a red mark on Bernie Sanders, right? Because this this bill was intended, quote unquote, to stop human trafficking, but the measures in the bill in no way prevented and stopped the reasons and i will link actually in the description again to philosophy tubes interview with a sex worker discussing things like that yeah my my biggest issues with bernie don't lie necessarily in his policies as much if that makes sense and i think we'll get into that yeah we we definitely will back to bernie he huge 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 labor advocate he's been a huge part for the fight for 15 dollars minimum wage he pressured Amazon into securing that $15 minimum wage. Currently, he's been campaigning to ensure Walmart workers receive the $15 minimum wage. And he supported, you know, several teacher strikes throughout the nations. You know, the one in Virginia that just happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the other one was in Wisconsin. And then there was one in California, I think L.A. or like San Diego recently. So very good on labor, very pro-unions. My biggest hope is that if he gets elected president, he kind of reinstalls some of the the labor rights that have been eviscerated under the Reagan administration. Yeah, absolutely. 1994 crime bill. This was a complicated bill. It included the Violence Against Women Act, but also would raise a lot of the incarceration in the U.S. Bernie voted yes for it. And he, he is on record during this time stating how complicated this bill is and how they were shoehorning this, like, Violence Against Women Act in order to boost the prison industrial complex. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's explained it, still voted yes. He still supported that, which Mm -hmm. feels very against the record uh, for Bernie. It does. Feels out of character for sure. Yeah. And then Bernie on gun control. He's not like pro-gun, but he's not anti-gun either. It's weird. U.S. has a lot of history of passing gun control and more background checks, right? Just screening people who can get guns. A lot of the times those end up being racist right mm-hmm. they'll discriminate against discriminate against black people or brown people or poor people or the mentally ill in some way or another and bernie has voted no to background checks but he's more in the form of like banning assault rifles or bump stocks you know kind of things of that nature that will kind of across the board affect gun ownership and control rather than on an individual micro level so a, a much more much more broad strokes and much less of a micro control thing I, and then lastly the environment there has hasn't been like a ton of things policies in terms of like environmental laws passed since that movement kind of 
really petered out in the 90s and eventually like died with Al Gore, essentially. It, it, there hasn't really been a huge push for anything. So Bernie's policies on that aren't really there. He doesn't have a voting history on it. He, quote unquote, from his website, supports an economy tailored to sustainability, which it's a campaign promise. So right. those are always iffy, more or less. And then eco websites, they are neither trashing Bernie nor are they pro-Bernie, which these are like social socialist eco-sites, nothing one way or another on them. So it, it's really hard to gauge where he stands on the environment. Yeah, he really doesn't seem to have much of a track record on the issue. Um, I know at one point he said that climate change was the greatest threat to national security we face, which I think is absolutely the case. And it's one of those things that sounds really inflammatory to say, but I, I mean, I'm glad that he said it and I think he's right. But aside from that, his contributions to the cause are minimal. Yeah, I 100% agree. And the environment, it depends on who is saying it's a national security threat. Because um, coming from different people, uh, to me, that means different things, right? Because right. if we continue to ruin third world countries and their environments, they're all going to come up to the United States. And then it's going to be, I, this is going to sound racist, it's going to be our responsibility to deal with them and provide space for them, right? It is our responsibility. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, like, you think about the refugee crisis we have in the world today. It's the worst it's ever been in history. And then you consider the fact that in the future, millions and millions and hundreds of millions of people are going to be displaced, potentially, potentially far more, potentially, you know, a billion people. I mean, what do we do with a billion people? We can't deal with 10 million people right now. That's life-changing stuff for everyone in the Western world. And in that way, it very much is a national security threat. Right. Uh, but at the same time, Bernie Sanders doesn't exactly have a huge foreign policy cachet. It's not his uh, area of expertise. Right. I 100% agree with that. And it's much easier to just be proactive on the issue than it is to relocate them. Right. I don't want, I'm not saying we shouldn't do that because obviously if we need to do that we should but it's just much easier to be proactive than deal with displacement so for me that's all i have on bernie's bernie's policy histories the highlights and the lowlights of it you know with that being said let's get into it bernie the uh, lukewarm socialist jock versus the technocratic nerds yeah i <laughs> i'm more of a technocrat myself I, uh, I'm much more of a lukewarm socialist. Um, <laughs> Bernie, we'll start off by addressing Bernie's defenses of these policies. They've been kind of milk toast, blase defenses of his stance on gun control. But in a sense, to me, a lot of these are forgivable because they're not broad eviscerations of social institutions or social equality, right? They're kind of more or less minor blemishes what would have otherwise been almost inconsequential, I mean, but like not really on a on a fairly exemplary exemplary record from Bernie. And I I really do for as much as I'll fault him for this I, for that stuff. I think a lot of it really is forgivable. I mean, I think consideration has to be given to the fact that he is a politician. Okay, and politicians have to get elected, and sometimes they have to do things for their constituents. And sometimes their constituents are diametrically opposed to, for instance, in the nuclear, uh, in the nuclear case you were you were talking about people in other parts of the country. You know, it, it's a it's a I'm not worried about them. I'm worried about me and and my own kind of thing. And that's, I mean, that's understandable. I think we have to be realistic about this. That's just not something that bothers me too much in a politician. Yes, that is a 100% very good, very correct point. Is that. Bernie's not like a moralist preacher. 
he's a politician and at the end of the day he has people to answer to absolutely and sometimes the majority of those people aren't going to want what's best and in order to be reelected and continue to do things like that he cannot take this no i will not do it it's wrong he has to fight for what he wants fight for what or fight for what his donors want that's the bottom line so i have a case against bernie sanders well more of a case people have levied against Bernie Sanders um, that I think is totally in bad faith and insane. Huh. One of their arguments is Bernie will not institute socialism, uh, so why even try? And it's like, no shit. Like, he's it's not capable of doing <laughs> it. As long as Merrill Lynch exists, socialism will not exist. He's not capable of it. Bernie is not the best way of raising class consciousness, sort of your relation to the means and power of production. Well, I disagree. He is. He gives institutional legitimacy to major movements. Um, he's identified the 1% as kind of the enemy of the people. And then to them, I would say, you just fetishize your role in the American political process, you third world Maoist. <laughs> Can you explain that a little bit to me? What what was the complaint directed at him there? Uh, Bernie is not the best way of raising class consciousness. Why is that? Because he is rich too? Um, No, sort of. The best way to technically the best way to raise class consciousness, right, is through labor movements, through sure. unionizing, through re-education, essentially, sure. right, classes, things like that. But you can't. Not everybody can labor go to populist a, movements. Yeah, can go to a DSA meeting once a week. Not everybody can pick up the Communist Manifesto or the Conquest of Bread and get through it because they don't have the free time, they don't have the education to access it, things yeah. like that. Um, yeah, that seems largely nonsensical. Yeah, a lot of the left case against Bernie is it's bad shit, man. These people are fucking insane. <laughs> and like the fucking point of electoralism, right, is to pick a candidate that best suits your political alignment and then do other things along with it to engage yourself in the political process, right? attend a break like clinic help out with things like that donate a dollar to a legal fund that's that's what how politics works right. and i think these people think well ooh, voting booth you can't vote but you're engaging with the democrats fuck you man oh yeah jesus christ these oh and then well bernie is running for the democratic nomination and the democrats are corrupt <laughs> Again, ridiculous. I don't right. even know if it warrants, you know, being answered. Right. Uh, the Democratic Party is corrupt. That's not a lobby against Bernie. That's against the Democratic Party. One, he adds legitimacy to the Democratic Party. Yeah. yeah. It's already legit. It, it, I... <sighs> yeah. <laughs> the leftist arguments against Bernie are kind of dumb, and a lot of them are not based on, like, voting against Sesta Foster. Or trying to push nuclear waste on poor people. Yeah. Uh, they're these absolutely crazy, insane, intellectual arguments. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let's do the liberal case against Bernie, which this is related to the political article I sent you uh, the other yeah. day. Yeah. Which, to me, this is just completely in bed. It's from... Yeah. Um, it's from 2016. Paul Starr wrote it? Definitely. Yeah. Paul Starr wrote it. Cool. And it just kind of outlines a case against why Bernie Sanders is. What is the title exactly? It's I get I totally get Bernie Sanders' appeal, but but he's not a credible him. president. Yeah, and uh, that is that's kind of honestly, frankly, this uh, article outlines a lot of the reasons why I personally don't support Bernie Sanders in the 2020 election or in the 2016 election for that matter. But uh, yeah, I've pulled some quotes from it. Generally, this kind of goes over the Democratic establishment position on why Bernie Sanders should not be president. And to me, I think 
that this is totally in bad faith. It doesn't make any sense. It's using incredibly specific language to try and make it seem like it's levying large institutional criticisms of Bernie, but really just being incredibly specific with like no concept of history. It's making weird and bizarre comparisons. So let's get into it because I feel like this is going to be some pretty decent discussion between the two of us. Yeah, for sure. Well, there's some stuff that they outline in here that uh, doesn't age well in terms of the 2016 campaign about how if Bernie Sanders were to be the nominee, you know, the Republicans would be jumping up and down with glee at their perceived, you know, obvious victory and just how, and they discussed the, uh, the famous Pew poll about how more people found the idea of a candidate being socialist. Uh, they would, they would not vote for a socialist candidate over someone who was gay or a Muslim, um, or transgender. It was like one of the most negative reactions. Um, and, and obviously those things haven't waged on. And I said it on our previous podcast that I was on and I, I was a, huge Hillary Clinton supporter in 2016 and I liked Bernie for what he did but I didn't think that he could win the general um and I do think that he could have won the general now I do I don't think it's surefire by any stretch but uh I do think he probably had a better chance than Hillary did yeah something Um, I wanted to ask you last week um that I forgot about what do you think makes makes this election with essentially the same candidate the same running points the same talking policies different from four years ago I think because the the Democratic field, just period. It's it was two people in 2016. Well, you know, <laughs> don't forget about uh, Martin O'Malley or uh, Lincoln. Uh, oh my God, Lincoln Chafee. I now I was actually a, a Martin O'Malley fan. Of I I own a Martin O'Malley T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's real. Uh, I uh, I liked Martin O'Malley, but uh, you know, I wasn't I wasn't overly. Uh, optimistic about his chances but I, I think the field i think the field is the main thing that's different you know we have i also i think that would say two things really the field and the political environment in terms of where we are with the democratic party you know general policy you know where the center of the democratic party has moved it's moved in since in those four years really a lot farther to the left than i think it was back then and I, I think a lot of that is because of Bernie Sanders. I really do. I mean, I think if you look at the candidates today, it's not really that comparable in terms of policy-wise. I mean, you only have really Clinton to compare with. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just really, I, I, we have a lot of candidates now who have very similar views to Bernie Sanders that I think are just, frankly, more credible candidates. Well, all right, let's, we'll pedal back to the idea of credible candidates, right? I think it's hard to judge how far the Democratic Party how left the Democratic Party has moved uh, since Trump got election because we've only had one midterm election and we've really only had two, uh, like three, I would say. There's a the, uh, person from Virginia um, whose name I can never remember because they don't get as much press as Ilhan Omar and Ocasio-Cortez do. So uh, judging kind of how left it's moved and how that shifted policy, um, again, versus like a Republican Senate, which will probably remain that way in the 2020 based on just what seats are up for election and things like that. So uh, it's difficult to, to judge how far left it's moved, but I don't actually think it's moved that far left. Um, you still have people like Cory Booker and Kamal Harris, who, you know, are generally centrist. Um, since we last talked, Elizabeth Warren has kind of backpedaled a little bit on her Medicare for all idea and has come out for like 
different public options and exploring those rather than just being straight Medicare for all. So I think in terms of generally moving left, it's made like a baby step from like how far right it's been moving closer back to just like a more global center party. Well, listen, I, I, Elizabeth Warren, she may have backtracked a little bit on her Medicare for all. Medicare for all four years ago, aside from Bernie Sanders, was unheard of. You know, you couldn't find anyone that would support that. I think the fact that a front runner, multiple front runners for the for the Democratic nomination are positing that as part of their, you know, campaign promises or saying that they support it, I think that's more than a marginal step, frankly. Well, I if they're saying they're willing to explore the option, right? Which I, I think when you say you're willing to explore the option, you're willing to put it to some think tank like CAP to kind of assess something like that, which a lot of like CAP's donors and people who sit on CAP's board are part of large insurance companies, um, which to say, you know, there's a conflict of interest there um, to Medicare for all. Um, so I, I think supporting Medicare for all versus being willing to explore it are two completely different things, right? Because Warren will open up an exploratory committee in the Senate or something like that. I don't I don't know how bills work. Um uh, I imagine that's right. You you open up like an exploratory committee to find research and do bills and things like that. I don't know if I don't know if it's an exploratory committee, but I'm you would have people work on the numbers for that. Right. Yeah. And then you know maybe you put it to a house vote and people are like, oh, well, we're kind of milk toast on it," versus people like Bernie. He'll actually have people drafting policies. He might come in with something already made. I know there was something that just took the house floor recently within the last couple of months related to Medicare for all. Well, at the same time, Bernie Sanders is president. Okay, let's say he's president. Uh, what are the odds that Bernie Sanders gets Medicare for all passed? I mean, zero percent. Um, zero percent. I, you know, <laughs> I, th- I think it's higher than zero percent. Um, honestly, I, I think, like, with somebody guiding at the helm, right? Like, people are just as people are forced to listen to and deal with Trump's bullshit, right? They'll have to sit there and entertain Sanders' bullshit, you know? For sure. And for sure, especially with like, is over the last you know twenty years how much power the executive branch has accumulated? Maybe what happens like what happened in North Carolina? Remember that where like the House just eviscerated all power of the governor, right? Like maybe that happens and they kind of strip away a little bit of the presidential power, which in a way would be a good thing, right? But yeah, I, I think the odds of Medicare for all getting passed are greater than zero because it's slowly becoming the only option left to all this medical debt, right? Um, and th- to the point where Republican senators are almost acknowledging it that like maybe this has to be our last alternative. Right. I do. I will. I, I think you're probably right. It's greater than zero. Sure. I I think it is greater. I think the odds are not bad. At, not too bad at all. If you take it out ten years from now, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think in the four years, let's say eight years, if he lives that long of Bernie Sanders' presidency, uh, that there's there's much of a chance of that happening. I don't know. It doesn't seem super likely in that sort of short term. But but either way, I don't know. And that that's not my biggest issue with him. You yeah. Know? Uh, we don't have to harp on that the whole time. I just... Uh, it is kind of his like main running point, though. So I, I think it's definitely fair for to sure, talk for about sure. it and harp on it and hash this out. I just mean, uh, I forget exactly our jumping off point, how we got here. But uh, he 
you know, his his views have shaped this Democratic candidate field immensely from his running in 2016, from a, from his 2016 candidacy. And, and for that, he should be applauded. But it's not just because of that. I don't think that's enough to say you should be president now. Maybe. But like, still, he, he has a, a huge, you know, consistency of policies. I think he's like a, a pretty decent politician, right? Sure. He, he's able to stand up for he, what he believes and make concessions where where it's necessary, where he's kind of back into a corner. So uh, I, I think, you know, having him at the helm would do more than just kind of shift the whole Democratic election field left, right? It'd be great to see a larger party movement to the left where we don't have such like a, de- a devotion to this sense of compromise that we have to have with Republicans. Hmm. But yeah, with that being said, let's kind of address some of Back, let's yeah, let's battle backpedal to this idea of a credible president, right? Sure. What does that mean? Because to me, that that's kind of one of those like buzzwords that like, yeah, you break it down and it doesn't really end up being anything. I think I was being a little bit hyperbolic when I said that earlier. I think Bernie Sanders would be a credible president. Well, uh, that's not really the language I meant. Uh, Donald Trump is not a credible president. Um, Bernie Sanders would be. I just don't think in a lot of people's eyes he would be in my eyes i don't think he's a great candidate because i think in a lot of people's eyes he's not a credible president if that makes sense i i guess i will i kind of want to unpack the idea of what it means to be a credible president because i i think it's a really big term to kind of like levy and jockey around but a credible president to me is just the president right like do they tell the truth do they lie things like that which you know, by the Merriam-Webster definition of credible, Bernie's credible. I like, I, I I don't know. I feel like there's some greater context that I'm missing behind that. Absolutely. I, I think we can, you know, uh, separate the idea of credibility. And I don't think we should get stuck to that term. Um, but we can, we can discuss why he is perhaps less viable as a candidate. And I and I think maybe that's what I meant by that phrase yeah. and what people mean when they say that. I have the definition pulled up right here, um, just to be pedantic, um, but capable Please. of persuading people that something will happen or be successful, <laughs> um, which like to that stent, hmm. extent, then yeah, Bernie is a credible president. I mean, he's convinced the entire Democratic nom- nominee candidates that Medicare for all is a credible idea. Um, yeah. And so just to be pedantic. Bernie's- no, absolutely. You're absolutely right. He did. He uh, pushed the adoption of a whole lot of policies that otherwise I don't think would be on on the docket of most politicians, most Democratic politicians in, 20, in the year 2020. Yeah, no, yeah. I agree. <laughs> um, I agree with that. Back to the political article, which I just find incredibly frustrating. Um, uh, they make this abject and baseless comparison to Ronald Reagan um, in terms of age where, to quote the article, if he were elected, Sanders would be 75 years old on assuming office, the oldest person to become president in American history by more than five years. Ronald Reagan was 69. And to me, that's um, a rhetorical move in writing where you're trying to invoke this image of Ronald Reagan, somebody who was notoriously hated, um, but has weirdly become less so and has been in a way adopted by some of the more center Democrats. Um, really? Yeah, I, I think... That's interesting. I'm not familiar with that particular movement. Yeah, there there was 
I think it was like Hickenlooper or Booker or somebody like that who was saying like, oh no, Ronald Reagan was good. Good fucking God. No, he was not. <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm saying. You said Hickenlooper and Booker? I think that? so, Maybe yeah. one of the two. Well, yeah. Anyway. Uh, forget who said it. I, it's, I've definitely heard it. Oh, um, that is a bad take. Yeah, it is not. <laughs> that is a really bad take. And then we talked about the Gallup poll, right? Um, whether you'd vote for a well-qualified per, for person for president who had various possible characteristics and socialist was a deal breaker. People also included gay, Muslim, and atheist in that yeah. post, which like, who, how many Americans are against gays, Muslims, and atheists for president? Which Shocking e- amount. Yeah. Uh, so I, I really question the credibility of that poll to be like, who are these people that we're asking who really hate this and should we take them seriously? I think this is something that uh, Pew specifically has done over the years and they've kind of tracked this for, I don't, I don't know how long now, um, but you know maybe a decade or so, just tracking throughout the years for those sort of characteristics like that, you know, how it tracks. And I think, I think gay is something you'll see has become a lot less of an issue for people. And I would say Muslim probably has a little bit too and there might be a little bit of movement on atheist. Um, there's certainly a lot of movement on socialist, but yeah, I think I, I definitely believe this at the time. I really, I really believe, especially for 2016. And I don't, I don't, I don't think the poll itself was even from 2016. So let's say it was from three years earlier, you know, yeah. like 2013. I totally believe that 59% of the country. So the, the, the specific thing is, um, uh, negative reactions to the word socialist outpace positive reactions by two to one, 59% to 29%. Wow. That's a huge disparity. Yeah. You know? it, yeah, it really is. I totally believe that. Yeah. The word socialist was something that it was, you know, it was a, a, uh, a scarlet letter to be branded with that moniker, something no one wanted. And, and Republicans use that from the seventies on the sixties on. You know, that's that's been a buzzword for a long time as a super negative thing. And it really is incredible that Bernie, I really do think it was Bernie, had a huge role in turning that into, in a lot of circles, a positive thing. Yeah, I agree with that. Which brings me to, um, not in terms of the article, but it's in there is that Sanders being a socialist is somehow a bad thing because it gives Republicans ammunition and they will call him a socialist, which... They'll call whatever Democrats runs a socialist right, anyway. 100%. How is that yeah. gonna like be different from literally anybody else who's running? Yeah. Um yeah, just incredibly specific, very bad faith language in this article. Tax implications of Sanders proposals provide a particularly rich target. I haven't seen anyone add up the cost of all Sanders proposals, but he is clearly talking about tax increases that have no historical president in peacetime. US has been at war for <laughs> almost its entire existence. To say, hey, we haven't taxed people a lot in peacetime. Well, it's like, yes, we have levied these high tax brackets and high tax margins before. There is a historical precedence. You're just citing something very specific and very narrow to try and take away credibility. Yeah, to a certain extent. I I think it's inarguable that his policies, if they were to be implemented, would cause a dramatic rise in taxes. And that's not necessarily a thing that I'm saying is negative. Um, I'm just saying it is inarguable to a certain extent. And... A lot of people are not going to like that. And I think that's what he's saying is that it is a bad thing as a candidate to have. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, he just like him, um, Ocasio-Cortez, like just came out for 70% tax rates on what income over a million dollars, which upset a lot of rich people. But like for me, who does not make over a million dollars, 
I do not care. It's true. And there's a lot more people who don't make a million dollars than people who do. Right, yeah. And I think something that's going to be hard about him is people are going to go, oh, taxes are going to go up 70%, but they're going to neglect to mention that, hey, it's only for this income bracket and above. Mm-hmm. Um, so, right, just it was something incredibly specific to me. That can, can we go back to his age thing, the Ronald Reagan thing? You mentioned that that seemed to be bringing up the idea of Reagan as a way to associate with him with Reagan you know, negatively. And that's fine. I don't necessarily, I don't know. I don't necessarily see that myself. To me, the association with Reagan there is so negative because of Reagan's mental state throughout his presidency due to his advanced age. And it is something that I find to be troubling about Bernie Sanders. I, everyone's different, okay? Bernie Sanders is now in, in this, he's, he's, he will be 79 by the time he takes office. I Just frankly, just to start off with, I would say without a doubt, if he were to win the nomination, I would want, I would really want him to make a one term, a one term, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? One term only. Which I, I think in reality, he would probably only get one term. Um, yeah, sure. Before. Sure. I, I think it is a legitimate worry. You know, the if you look at numbers of incidents of Alzheimer's and dementia and just general mental slippage in people, it increases dramatically with age and 79 is not just the oldest president we've ever had it is the oldest president by far by a decade well actually no that's not true now because of donald trump um and i think no one would say that his mental state is exactly you know top of the hill uh and i would say and i I, there have been reports from some semi-credible people that his mental state has slipped dramatically since taking office and and I'm and I'm sure that is both in part due to age, his advanced age, which he is younger than Bernie Sanders, um, but also the rigors of the job, which I can't imagine a more demanding job. Frankly, it's it is it is one of the hardest jobs in the world. And you look at you ever look at pictures of presidents oh. throughout the time they're in office. See a little like a little you know snippet of like picture 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 of as yeah. they age through the years, and it's just like the gray hairs multiply, and you know you can just see you know, 30, you know, 20 years of age happen in eight years at least. And, and, and that's for someone who's a youthful like Obama or Bill Clinton. What is that going to do to someone who's starting off at, at old as fuck already? Right. Well, uh, for me, uh, those age claims, I've always been a little bit skeptical of them. Um, cause I realized this, my dad, it was basically, is basically the same age as Obama. Right. And I look at pictures of my dad from, 2008 versus 2016 he's just aged incredibly and i think that's just part of getting old right is that and it's just by happenstance because that's when a lot of men go gray that's when a lot of men go bald and things like that sure um so i'm kind of like skeptical that that is emblematic of part of the job is that you just have some old guy getting old up there that's reasonable i i i tend to i don't know i i do think life ages everyone Mm -hmm. you know just by its very nature and people who experience more stress age more quickly that is a scientific fact yeah and when you put someone in the most stressful job in the world in which a large portion of the globe and and depends on them very directly and in the entirety of the globe is affected to them by some extent uh that's a tough place to be you know and it's not that i think it's impossible that bernie sanders could handle it by any stretch right everyone's different i i think that at this time in our history i would like someone who is younger 
to take the reins. I want someone whose mind is not only just functionally more capable than someone whose mind is 80 years old. And I mean, that is just, there's no way around that. Um, but I also want someone who is, no, I mean, I just leave it with that. I, I think that's, yeah. For me, I'm kind of also a little bit skeptical of these age claims too, um, because you've seen such idolatry of RBG in the last <clears throat> six or no, last like year or so since Trump got elected. Yeah, for sure. People are, are putting this faith in this like, I mean, she's a skeleton. She's this five foot, yeah, yeah, uh, 80 pound, 84 year old woman. Yeah, no, I think that is something that I, I personally, I worry about Ruth Bader Ginsburg greatly. Um, not necessarily her decision making on the Supreme Court, um, because I think it's, I think it's a very different thing than just being president is. I, the speed at which they move, I think is, is very different. And, and the power that they have and the decisions that they have was, well, great you know, inarguably great, uh, is less than a president by a large measure and is affected in different ways. And she's checked by the eight other members. And yeah, I, I mean, I worry about it. I, I just, you know, but here's the thing is that I hope she holds on until <laughs> well, 2021, January she 21st. Retire when she had the fucking chance. <laughs> I know, I know. Now oh, that, that, is, that is painful. Right. Truly. Yeah. I agree with that. Plus, I'm like, not too worried because like the president dies that's why we have the vice president right that's he picks his running mate um you know whoever that may be well here's what about if he doesn't die what about if he slowly slips into mental decline like ronald reagan or donald trump how many other people are there in government right also bernie has not shown signs of old age at least to my knowledge right he had that fall in the shower um recently well i think that was back in what february something, yeah, something I don't like that, know. that doesn't um, within the last since the beginning of the year um which you know falls and spills happen for old people but his mental faculty starts to slip to me at least i mean he for he's still the best politician for me that supports my material interest right and that's ultimately in the end why i'm going to vote for him and that's what anybody should do right is pick the person who best represents your interest and go out and vote for him Right, because you like you know obviously if you're a rich person, you should vote for Bernie, but like you'll vote for a Republican because they have your tax bracket in mind, because uh, that's what makes sense. But his mental faculty starts to slip. He has the entire Democratic machine behind him. He eventually just becomes like a puppet, the way Trump is, right? Where he sort of just kind of puppeteered him. People put like bills out in front of him to sign with like an oreo tape to it or whatever <laughs> uh, well you know people take advantage of trump but let's not say that it, the republican apparatus is controlling him by any stretch he does a plenty of, he does a, a lot of things and it's not to say that because trump does things that the republicans do not like that they are good things by any stretch right you know there is a, a third thing that is potentially even worse you know the republicans hate ken cuccinelli I don't know who that is. Uh, he ran for uh, governor of Virginia a couple of years back. And around the same time, I would say 2014, around the same time as like Todd Aiken and the kind of horrible abortion candidates in the Republican Party. And he was he was one of those guys. Uh, okay. um, he, he is he's not a good guy. He's I mean, he's really kind of one of the explicitly really gross establishment Republicans, a Tea Party guy. And uh, he just made him. Oh, he gave him a big position in the uh, immigration 
Good God. Um, oh, yikes. Yeah, top, he gave him the top immigration job. Yikes. Yeah. Um, and Republicans are opposed to it, I, I think, in large part due to the fact that Cuccinelli is not a well-liked figure. Bad for um, optics. Yeah. Which, like, when, especially when your optics are in, like, such a tenuous position, you you really got to be tight with those guys. You you can't have these... You got to have private litter, lizard monsters. You can't have public lizard exactly. monsters. Exactly. And he has appointed him, and he's now working in the job despite not being confirmed yet. I mean, the first article that pops up here from The Hill, uh, Republicans warn Cuccinelli won't get confirmed by GOP Senate. You know, they do not like him, but he's currently in the job despite that. The power of the president is... You know, it's it, there's nothing that that can really top that, and, and I don't know. That's why I worry about the the age stuff because he can't. He can, be, of course, he's checked in ways. We do have a government of checks and balances, but we also still have a single person in the highest position of power. And I want that single person. I would like to give us our best chance of having a person whose mental faculties are still capable of handling the job. Yeah. I completely and totally get that to a certain ex- a certain extent, but the reality is, like, once your mental state—I mean, for me, he, at that point, like, the just Democratic machine takes over. I, you know, I think Bernie's I shown so. that he's a smart enough guy to demonstrate, keep himself sharp, things like that. But when it comes to stepping back and letting other people do the work, uh, you know he's smart enough to let that happen so i certainly hope that's true that that is that is a big issue for me and that is where a lot of my uh bernie sanders doubt comes from yeah is is just worries about that kind of stuff in the moment decisions you know foreign policy decisions an area where he just doesn't have a ton of experience in in the first place you know what happens when there's (laughs) when there's a phone call at 3 (laughs) a.m the famous hillary clinton commercial from 2008 against obama uh who do you want answering that phone you know but he already may be up because he had to go pee so (laughs) it might actually work out (laughs) you're very right that could work out um yeah i like i don't think bernie in terms of foreign policy like he can't be a diplomat right he's a little bit crotchety He's not an idiot, though. Yeah, no, no, and he's, he's not uncouth either. Yeah, he knows how to wheel and deal. Yeah, um, if I, Trump can, if Trump can talk to a world, well, I mean, you know, whatever. But Bernie Sanders can do it too without making a complete fool of himself. I totally believe that. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um. Definitely doable. So, with that being said, I don't know. I'd like to get into the reason why I think Bernie is personally in the best candidate running right now. Please. So he campaigns the best, first and foremost, right? There are essentially two ways to campaign. Raise as much money as humanly possible or encourage and register people to come out for and vote, being that you help them register to vote, they'll likely vote for you, right? Bernie's done both of these very well. He's generated huge amounts of support. He's generated huge amounts of campaign funding, both from like smaller institutional donors, um, but from people alone, right? He has the most unique small donations of somebody in the field. What is it? Like $6 million within the first day, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. that's absurd um, from small donors. Right. Bernie knows how to generate funds. He knows how to get people to come out and show up to the polls. So that's number one. As opposed to like somebody like Buttigieg, who instead of rolling out new ideas, he kind of he's sticking to these old talking points from 2016, right? The whole... Trump bone spurs, 
Trump's bone spurs to dodge the Vietnam draft, which one, good for dodging the Vietnam draft right there. Two, you're like, nobody, his voter base doesn't care. The only people who like care about that stuff are like fucking weirdos who think it like going to fight in Vietnam was a good thing. I like, to me, that's completely insane. Well, yeah, it's definitely interesting to bring it up now and seems sort of uh, apropos of nothing, especially in the primary. I don't know. But at the, I mean, at the same time, I, I do think that it, it is something that a lot of people and a shockingly, un, well, you know what, in, in, in fairness, I was going to say that uh, I think a lot of people care about that maybe more than you do. Yeah, um, right. Different I'm opinions about that. Baffled why people care um, about that. Sure. But I, uh, I, I do think it is something that sticks in the crawl of a lot of people who maybe did serve the country or know someone who did serve the country um, related to them and, and see that as and the other aspect of that is it's it's a the luckiness of a rich guy you know it's because he was wealthy that he was so ably you know aptly able to to avoid the draft but i it is it is strange to bring it up now i don't know it seems kind of tired and like i said apropos of nothing yeah he's so especially with the i don't know if you've seen any of the his videos about having people who work at walmart talk about walmart and <clears throat> In the video, it looks like she's reading from the script, but I, I did a little bit of digging. She is an actual Walmart worker, and I think having those testimonials on your campaign page about, hey, I'm helping people to fight for a minimum wage, you know, trying to build up your brand rather than, like, be snarky at somebody else, yeah. um, I think that's a great way to campaign, personally. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good way to, like, get regular people to see, hey, this person's making a difference, rather than just kind of go through the pedantry of it and then going off that i think he's the only person equipped with like the language to combat and criticize trump um and in larger what the republican party has become people are still running on that orange man bad thing whereas bernie has said hey trump is not only a part of he's a symptom and we have to combat this machine together right Trump says things like, I will build the wall. And part of that appeal is that, like, his unilateral command, which, you know, that he makes him seem strong, like a strong man, right? He has will and he has the conviction to do things. Whereas Bernie will say things like, we will create Medicare for all. We will build the system together using that first person plural to kind of, like, bring everybody in and generate that support and make you feel like you're a part of a community rather than, like, the sole individual doing something. Which, again, I think... Not only is that a good way to sort of best Donald Trump, but it's a good way to generate that support and get people to come out. And then lastly, I've said this before, he's semi-consistent and not completely terrible. You know, he has not eviscerated the welfare state and financial system, right? He, where he's failed to uphold sort of his general ideology of things, he's kind of a lukewarmly apologize which everybody has but like there it's not the glass steagall act it's not the iraq war it's not like taking away collective bargaining rights it's he's been in support of all of those things and not trying to dismantle them so that to me is why bernie is the best guy for the job i uh i agree with those a lot of those things i um I like Bernie, you know, I really do. And I 
he is one of my top five, six candidates in 2020. And, you know, I said it in, in my last podcast here, I would vote for him hands down um, if he won the nomination. I probably will not be voting for him in the nomination, though, um, because of some of the reasons I outlined here. But I, I, I think that for me, he's one of those guys who was instrumental in pushing forward a lot of policy up to the forefront of uh, both the democratic and public writ large is consciousness. And that is extremely important. I have my fears about him as an executive at the same time. And so I probably will not be voting for him, like I said, in in the primary. But yeah, I like Bernie, you know, overall, I think he's I think he's a good guy. I think he's got great intentions. Um, And that that is something I think I think few I think really no one can say against Bernie Sanders, whether you like his ideas or not, is I think he unquestionably has good intentions. And that is a lot more than you get with a lot of candidates. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And I think part of it for me, why I want to see him is uh, the move, the Democratic Party has moved tenuously to the left, right? Where it's still in that kind of balancing situation where like maybe if they have a strong left leadership, it'll continue that move forward. But like, if a figure like Bernie isn't in the field, then I don't really see anybody continuing to push that drive further and further. But yeah, um, anything else uh, you would like to say? Things you missed? Things you forgot about? No, I think we kind of uh, thoroughly covered my thoughts on Bernie Sanders. Just remember, kids, participate in the election. Absolutely. Uh, You can now like us on Facebook, um, which is cool. And we are now available on Spotify. So give us a like, share, subscribe, comment, leave feedback, engage, please. So that when you put me on in the background, I can beam ads directly into your skull. That's right. That's right. All right. You guys have a good one. Bye, guys.